This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Last week, we went over part one of real humility, and there's a lot of fake humility. Have you ever met someone who was pretending to be humble, uh, but it really was pride? Uh, That certainly uh, has been the case. Uh, I've, I've, I've certainly met, I've certainly had those moments of false humility. But, you know, James, who wrote the book of James, which is the book we're covering in this series called Get Real, he talked about uh, some real necessary truths that we must be confronted with. And you know, James was not just talking about this in theory. This is something James lived. James was actually known, he had several different titles, but he was known as James the Just. James the Just. Now, several artists over the first century, second century, all the way up until the 13th century, they, they tried to maintain kind of what he looked like. Have you ever wondered, like, what do these guys look like? You know, what, is, what did James, the half-brother of Jesus, look like? I think we may have a painting of, of James. Uh, this is a, a rendering of what he may have looked like. James the Just. Uh, and, and he really... Uh, is painting a portrait of Jesus. He's painting a portrait of Jesus, and really he's he's painting a portrait of what real Christianity should look like in our lives, and it should entail humility. You know, Paul painted a portrait of Jesus, and he included humility as well. He said, uh, you know, that Jesus humble, he came, humble himself, made himself of no reputation, uh, took on a, a form of a servant. So last week we talked about the right sources and the wrong sources. The right source of humility is peace. The wrong source is our own passions. We want to have, and right when we get what we think we want, uh, it doesn't satisfy us. And we, we, we have these lusts and desires, and we want to fight in war. These are all driven by a wrong source of satisfaction and security. And then we have sometimes the right source. So he says in, in James 4 and verse 3 um, that, that, you know, you, you can ask. That's the right source, prayer. But then with the wrong motive, you ask him this because it's just something that you're wanting. And then he says, and there definitely can be the wrong source and the wrong motive. Look at verse 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. Man, that's about as hard-hitting as you can get. He says, you are friends with the world, and so you cannot have a relationship, a close relationship with God. You're either going to be close to what's around you, what you can see, touch, and feel, and that's going to be your source of significance and security, or... God will. And so God gets jealous of what is closer to us than he is. Let me say that again. Verse 5, God gets jealous of what is closer or who is closer to us than he is. He made us for fellowship. He made us to be close to him. And so James 1.9 says, let, another, uh, let a brother of low degree, someone who's humble, rejoice in that he is exalted. It's paradoxical in the fact that when we humble ourselves, we actually are lifted up in a greater way. That's why James uh, 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. That's a uh, trustworthy, shall be lifted up. You will be lifted from the area that you have sunken down into if you will humble yourself before God. So here's last week, and then we'll move into this week. Pride is the thief of our peace. How do we know that? Pride corrupts contentment. 
pride hijacks our passions, okay, and we use the, the, the tub, uh, and uh, I'm not going to bring it up, but the, the, the more you lean away from uh, your own pride and your, your own, uh, you know, abilities, um, the, more that, the more that you lean away from uh, that pride and, and, and that arrogancy, uh, the more God's grace rushes in. The more we humble ourselves, the more we have access to God's grace. Now this week we're going to be talking about in part two the fact that real humility uh, in part two is, is enabled by God's grace. Look at verse number six. Look at verse number six. It says, but he giveth more grace, and God resisteth the proud, verse six, but giveth grace unto the humble. So there is more grace available for those who are willing to seek it. And humility and grace are the key to having joy in the journey. Have you ever met someone who, who was just not enjoying the journey? Uh, in fact, they were ticked off about the journey, okay? They just wanted to, 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 to let you know how terrible life is. And uh, every once in a while I had a, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure some of my family is going to watch this and they're going to call me out. But every once in a while, you know, I'd have my, my older sisters, they would have a negative word. And I would always be the one to say, you know, well, aren't you the ray of sunshine? You know, aren't you, aren't you the one who's, who's, who's bringing the positivity to our family right now? You just, you know, the, the Debbie Downer, you know, you just have to say every negative thing. And so humility and grace, that's the key to really enjoying life. But it doesn't seem like the way. See, self-help says if you want to enjoy life, then you have to do more of what you enjoy. That's what self-help says. In fact, self-help says that if you want if, if to really be happy, then really love yourself. If you love yourself, if you're self-focused, man, all the happiness will come. And, and, and the one question I just want to ask every, every self-help guru that says that is, how's it working? Like, how's that working for you? Like, how's that going? Because I really believe that when we come to the Word of God, it basically is like, hey, listen, it's not about ourselves, it's about focusing on others. In fact, Proverbs 29, 23 says this, a man's pride, self-focus, shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So here's what James is saying. He's saying, do you feel down? You feel lower than you ever have been before? Try humbling yourself. Try, try just taking a breath and saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's not, the world does not center around me. Now, here's the key thought from last week, and I wanted to give it this week as well. That pride is the cause of every conflict. Pride is the cause for every conflict. You say, what about the conflict between governments? Yes. What about the conflict in marriage? Yes. Okay, so pride is, is the reason. Okay, so only by pride, only by pride cometh contention, Proverbs says. So pride is the reason for every, is the cause for every conflict. Humility is the cure to disunity, and grace is the bridge from pride to humility. Say, grace is the bridge between pride and humility. So last week we exposed that pride. This week I want to reveal the pathway to humility. So again, this week only one point, uh, two subpoints. So I want you to dive into verse number six with me because it says, but he giveth more grace. Now, now the word grace is the word keras. But it, it just means, it means uh, that it's given, not earned. We'll talk about that in a minute. But it, it, it is something that God gives without us 
earning it, meaning it's something that we don't deserve that he gives to us anyway. Now, the first time I heard that, I thought, you know, yeah, but I mean, God's loving certainly wants to give us grace. Yeah, he wants to give us grace, but we cannot take credit for God's grace. The reason why that's important is because the only way to have true victory in any area of life is by God's grace. We can have perceived victories without God's grace, but we can't have real victory without God's grace. We can't. Now, when he says he giveth more grace, I I said last week that I believe those are the five greatest words in the Bible. Five greatest words. And the reason why is because grace and humility, specifically when we humble ourselves, we get the grace of God, but humility before God is the key to our victory. So that's number two. Humility is the key to our victory. It's the key to our victory. God wants you to have victory. God wants you to have victory his way because if, if, if we get the victory our way, guess who gets the credit for it? We do. And so God says, hey, listen, if you'll step back and give, give my grace the credit for your relational success or your business success or, or whatever in life, if you step back and say, hey, it's God only by God's grace, then there'll be far less entitlement, far less just expectant, uh, you know, mentality of, of saying, you know, I deserve this. I hear people all the time that, 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 that tell me things they deserve. And every single day I, t- I ask my boys to, you know, during, during these talks, and I'm sure they love these talks, but, uh, but, you know, hey, guys, Repeat after me, everything I have is more than I deserve. And they say, everything I have is more than I deserve, you know. One day it's going to click in their mind, wait a second, dad was teaching grace. That everything we have, our health, our car, our, our possessions, our, our family, everything we have, it's far more. You say, well, I mean, certainly we deserve our freedoms. Listen, we have our freedoms, but make no mistake, they are a gift of grace. And should they be protected? Absolutely. But they are a gift of grace. They are a gift of grace. And so grace says that everything we have is more than we deserve. Uh, Here people say, I deserve an apology. They, They have to apologize to me. And I often say, well, they don't have to. Now, we want them to, we want them to, but, but, but no one deserves that apology. It's a blessing if it does happen, but man, listen, forgiveness is a moment of grace, right? And so uh, we, we, we don't deserve it. A lot of people say, well, you know, I used to have a friend, but, but they weren't as loving as, as I thought a friend should be, so I got another friend. Okay. But, but, but do we deserve to have friends that we're not even willing to be? You see what I mean? So, so a lot of times we get this expectant mentality. I deserve to have my voice heard. I deserve these things. I deserve, and a lot of times we want to force people to do things because we feel like we deserve that, that, that we have this expect. And really, with humility, we have to come to the table of grace to say, wait a second, I, I really, I deserve, what I deserve is I deserve to be held accountable for my actions. I, I, deserve, I, I deserve to be held accountable to an almighty God uh, because of what I've done. I've, I, I've wronged the God of this universe. I've, I, I've wronged him. And so grace says, wow, man, I, I, am, I am humbled in God's presence. Pride says you deserve an opportunity to win, but letter A, 
Grace is an op- grace through humility is an opportunity for unity. So the only way to have unity in any area of your Christian life and in, in, in any area of life is to have humility. So humility ushers in unity. It's the opportunity for unity. We don't want to humble ourselves. Um, by the way, uh, this is in my notes, but there were many moments this week where God said, Okay, you preached it. Now, now, now. Here's here's the moment. Okay, you're gonna you, you you're gonna have pride, or you're gonna have humility, and and all of us have these moments where we have to ask ourselves: I can choose disunity and win, or I can choose humility and I can have unity uh, with with this person or with God. Now, let's look at the 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 first part is with God, unity with God, because it says that that He giveth more grace. He, if we humble ourselves, he's giving us this grace to, to have a relationship. It's not what we deserve, but it's something he gives. But wherefore, God resisteth the proud. So, so in our, our illustration last week, um, in fact, I am going to do this. Joe, if you could help me, because I, I want you to see this. I wasn't going to do it, but I, I think I do need uh, because I'm uh, seeing that well, we might have some people joining us online. There's a couple of people who didn't see it last week. Um, so, just you don't want to tilt it a ton, but if you just t- come right here and then tilt it one way, okay. So if if we're lifted in pride, if we're lifted in pride, God's grace represented by the uh, the 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 blue uh, the the blue juice there, whatever that is, okay. The fuel of our lives, the grace, the 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 higher we get in pride, the 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 more God God pulls away His grace. But the lower we get, the lower we get, the lower we get, okay, the more grace comes flowing in. The more grace comes pulling into our lives, pouring into the areas that we need it the most. Okay, so humbling ourselves, lowering ourselves brings in, ushers in God's grace. Thank you, Joe. So when we have unity with God, it means that we haven't uh, lifted ourselves up so that he has to pull away his favor, his grace, okay? Not his positional favor, but his his relational favor, the, what empowers us. And it says he resisted. Now, what's the word resisted mean? Look it in your notes. It's it's where we get, um, you know, the the antihistamine, okay? We'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but but it's it's antitasso. It, it's a position in battle. It's to set oneself with weapons toward. It means God has to kind of, Put a wall up and, and, and say, nope, nope, we're not going to, I'm not going to enable your self-destructive behavior. So Adam Clark uh, said this. He said, God sets himself in battle array against our pride. So he wants to give grace to the humble. He sandwiches this God resists the proud with, I want to give grace, I want to give grace, but we cannot earn it. And in our pride, we think we can. God gives grace to the humble because he's near to the brokenhearted. That's what Psalm 34, 18 says, And pride is the beginning of our sin. Every sin begins in pride, Augustine said. But humility is the beginning of salvation. Before we can ever have peace with God, we must have humility before God. Humble ourselves. By the way, that's called repentance. Now, anyone who does not have a relationship with God, and I talk to people every single week who either do not believe in God or do not believe in th- that Jesus is the way to God. And even yesterday when I had conversations with a couple of people who, who were still trying to figure out, like, who was Jesus and who is Jesus to them? 
it, it's really important to understand that before you receive that Jesus is the way to have a relationship with God, you must then first understand that God is holding out his hand to you, but he is, you are not on his side. You are not with him in, in, in the battle. You're not following him. And so God is literally at war, the Bible says, with the wicked. In fact, I want you to read what, what Romans says. It says that, um, verse 10, For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. So it's literally, before you have a relationship with God, you are with his enemies. Meaning, you are either for God or you are against him. But all, the, all through scripture it says this. Now, now, I'm going somewhere with this. So at the moment of salvation, when we are reconciled with God, when we receive Jesus as our atonement, as our reconciliation, which is used simultaneously, by, by the way, in the New Testament. In fact, Romans 5, verse 11 says, not, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. By the way, the word atonement and the word of reconciliation used in the same way, the exact, exact same Greek word. The reason why that's important is because when we receive Jesus as our atonement, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, we are now at peace with God. Jesus died so that we could be freed. Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sin so that we could repent from our sin and received the gift of eternal life. So Acts 3.19 says it this way, Repent ye. The word repent is a very similar word to the word uh, for humility that we'll, we'll talk about in just a second. So repent, he says, therefore, and be converted. The word converted just means to turn, to turn from. So repentance is, is, is turning from your sin. Converted is turning toward Jesus. That your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. No one can be refreshed without the grace of God. No one can be refreshed without understanding who Jesus is. If we are not at peace with God, if we do not have unity with God, we will never have unity with others. Certainly, we will never be at peace with ourselves. So the wrong premise is to say, well, if I'm at peace with myself, I'm good. But the reality is no one, if they're honest, is at peace with themselves until they are at peace with God. So not just unity with, uh, with, with God, but also unity with others. Now, humility is an opportunity to have unity with others. Humility, though, takes vulnerability. Humility takes repentance. I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Those are sometimes foreign words in relationships, but they don't need to be. Okay, I was wrong. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Okay, so guys, just practice that in the mirror. God will help you. Okay, but uh, humility is vulnerability. Uh, it's repentance. It's discomfort. Now, we all know about discomfort because of COVID. There are really uncomfortable things about COVID. One is that some people are still shaking hands. Okay, so it's like, do I, uh, you know, other uh we're all told to cough into our elbow. I've been saying this for six months, and then we're told to bump elbows. Like, how unsanitary is that, right? So I vote we put little patches on a coughing elbow, bumping elbow, you know? I mean, just label those things, okay? And don't go in with a cough. <coughs> oh, here we go. Here, let's bump elbows. Oh, that's great, 
right? So uh, the other day, someone's uh, hand was dripping with sweat, and they wanted to fist bump, and I'm like, I'm going in for an elbow, okay? So I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm fine with it all, but it's all awkward, okay? It's awkward because uh, you know people still need to sneeze, people still need to cough. We cannot look at them uh, with judgment. Uh, by the way, look in verse number eight. I'm going to jump down to verse number eight. This is this is COVID's theme verse. Verse number eight. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. <laughs> that, that's like the, C, the CDC. That's like their theme verse. It's on their website. No, it's not. But uh, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Um, and, uh, and, and so James is, is, is pointing out discomfort. By the way, let me just point this out. This was written to a group of people that were dispersed. This was, this was the great diaspora where, where over a million Jews were, were, were being sent all over uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, and Galatia, and Cappadocia, and uh, down even into the south where, near Jordan. And they were dispersed because of uh, the, the, the tyranny of Rome. And, uh, and so it's important for us to understand that he was writing these things to say, listen, I know it's difficult. We've got to address what's difficult God's way. I can't address what's difficult my way. In fact, while we're kind of skipping around, look at, ver- look at verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. I think I put it in your notes as well. He, ca- he says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Ye that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. Judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not the doer of the law, but a judge. You ever meet someone who, who, who doesn't do what they are judging others for doing? Have you ever met someone who was, like, so self-righteous about, like, wearing a mask, but then you catch them not wearing a mask? We've seen that before, haven't we? Okay. So, so it's like verse number 12, there is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. And then James just kind of slips in this little question, like, are you that person? <laughs> like, are you the final say? And so, church, let me just help everyone with this moment. This, this is kind of a side note, okay? But the Bible has the side note, okay? So I'm reading this verse, and I'm thinking, how can we apply this to our everyday? Listen, some of you have medical conditions where you can't wear a mask. I am not your judge. God has to, you have to be led by God. I am never going to walk up to someone and say, you just pumped your gas. Here's some hand sanitizer for you. That's be, you, have to, you have to be your own person who, who takes care of cleaning your hands. Now, that's talking about cleaning your hands, you sinners. That we'll, we'll get to that. That's talking spiritually. But this is talking about judgment. You know, there's never been a time that I've ever been aware of that people felt so bold to judge other people without hearing the backstory of why they're doing what they're doing. And I want to encourage everyone online, listen, I'm just preaching through James, and when James 4, 11, and 12 says, don't be the judge. Now, we want to be careful and we want to be safe and all of those things. But listen, we at some point we have to let God lead people uh, to do what they need to do. And 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 by, by the way, I really appreciate you um, uh, as a church having a moment of grace when we've been led through this pandemic because there are so many different complicated situations that we're walking through individually and as a church and we have to be led by not one person but by one Jesus Christ who has called us and has given us a mission and we have to fulfill that mission God's way 
So he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners. But then he says this, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now the word, the word for double-minded is literally suke, which is double soul. He's like, you're acting as if you have two souls, you only have one. Meaning, if you're giving yourself to yourself, or you're giving yourself to something that is against God, you, you're, you're, you're double-minded in the sense you're acting like you have two, but you only have one. And he says, so, so humble yourself, and, and, and e- it's going to be painful, it's going to be difficult to humble yourself before God, but be afflicted, mourn, and weep, verse 9. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, let your joy into, into, into heaviness. Have you ever been broken because of your sin? Have you ever been broken because of what you did that was against God? Not against others, not self-righteously broken, but broken truly in your heart. And so the word humble, when he says humble yourselves, it's a low-lying perspective of accomplishment. It's a meek spirit. It's to take no account higher than what God takes. And so God deflakes the proud that lift themselves up, that promote themselves as being greater than they actually are, and he upholds the humble. So how do we stay humble? How do we stay humble? Well, verse number seven tells us we submit ourselves to God and we resist the devil. So I want you to see the parallel here because when he says submit yourself to God, the word submit is this hypotasso. Now remember that that's really close to, to the word that, that that's this, this word for resist. It's very close, but it, it's, it's basically saying, listen, you're either going to place yourself under Satan and under the ruling of this world and the perspective of this world, or you're going to be subject to God. You're going to bring yourself under control of God. And so our sin nature, man, it just drives us to want to want to resist. And the word resist Satan, when he says resist Satan, it is the word antihistamine. It is where we get that word for the drug, the anti uh, the, the, the anti-inflammatory. You know, like when your sinuses are all, you know, I need an antihistamine, right? Well, well, God is saying, listen, shrink what Satan wants to puff up. Make smaller what God is wanting uh, to, to make smaller the things that God is. Let me back up. Make smaller the things that Satan wants you to make bigger and make bigger the things that God, uh, that Satan wants you to make smaller. Now. There are many times in life where we hear the voice of God, maybe through a sermon or maybe through the, 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 the preaching, maybe through a spouse. We, we hear God telling us something. God's, God's saying something like, this is what you need to do. You know you need to do it. What do we do? We, we want to resist God. So, so James is giving a really clear contrast. He's like, you're going to either be resisting God or you're going to be resisting the devil, but there's no in-between. And so what happens is a lot of times we come to, to a difficult passage like this where it's like, oh, it's like, don't judge. And it's like, but I want to judge, you know. And it's like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. I mean, he's right in your face, you know, like, be humble, be humble. And the, 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 the thought that I have many times is, who's to tell me what to do? Like, come on, you know, I got to know what's best. And the attitude we give to others is really the attitude we would never give to God, but deep down inside we want to. So I, I, I saw a video, uh, and I, someone had sent this video to me like a year ago, right after it happened, and I thought, you know what? From the very youngest ages, pride drives us to resist what's best for us. 
So I want you to watch it. This is a three-year-old in a daycare. No you supposed to be back in time out. I didn't say get out. You and Jayla in time out. Well, let me tell you this, Linda. Linda. My name ain't Linda. So you sit right there in time out, little bad little girl. No, let me tell you something. No, don't if tell I, me. If I was in here, I would surely take a day off from you and then a day off from these kids. I'm around the classroom. I'm just done with you. I'm done with you too, but you in time out. Oh, let me tell you something, honey. This is not going You're going to be in time out? Oh. That's why you in time out right I'm now. I'm sick still. I think so. Well, when I get up out of town and go to bed, I will be glad to go home and enjoy the rest of my life. She won. She had an attitude, didn't she? Okay. No one had to teach her how to have that attitude. Pride's within all of us. We all want to. We all want to say. God, listen here. I know what's best. We all want to say, hey, listen, I, I can. But what it's really doing is it's resisting God. And, and God's saying, resist the devil. Here's the key thought. We can't fight against God and the devil at the same time. So we have to choose our battles carefully. And so how do we win the battle against the devil? It's grace. And so here's an action item before we finish today. In every moment of tension with yourself, with others, remember that God is calling out to you through those unsettling moments to settle something with him. Every moment of tension is a tension not just between you and that other person, not just between you and what you want to do. It's a tension between you and God, and it's a tension between will you humble yourself or will you be proudful? Will you stay in your pride? And so humility is an opportunity uh, for unity, but let her be. Humility allows us to access God's fullness allows us to access God's fullness. So verse number 8 says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. So the center of God's presence is where humility and worship intersect. I want you to say that with me. The center of God's presence is where humility and worship intersect. We're just waking up. This is the early service, okay? So I don't expect a lot out of you, but I expect a little bit more than that, okay? So let's say it again. The center of God's presence is where humility and worship intersect. Here's why I say that. It's true every single time. The moment I humble myself, the moment I humble myself and worship and I get lower, I get closer into God's presence. But the moment that I use words and I lift myself up, I've now turned my back on his presence. I'm farther away, not because he moved, not because he loves me any less, but because I moved, because I chose to define my good and evil on my own terms. Friends, we need to give grace to one another. I want you to be healthy physically, but I want you to be healthy spiritually too. And if we walk around like we are on the healthcare staff, we can't be spiritually at one with the other. We can't, we can't walk around with grudges about what someone did or didn't do. And I know, I know good Christians who are struggling because of this pandemic and we're empty because we're not filled with the fullness of God. And so when we humble ourselves and we worship Him, 
we humble ourselves in, in honesty and vulnerability. We lift him up in worship. Uh, we, we, are, we are crossing the bridge from pride to humility. We draw nigh to him. That's to step forward, to approach, to come close to him. We are humbled. It's not a consequence, it's a choice. So here's an action item. Draw near to God by bringing him into every area of your life. When you're washing dishes, when you're taking a shower, when you're taking a walk, when you're doing, uh, you know, just everyday chores, have friendship with him. Talk to him. Humble yourself before him. Be honest with him. He sees what you're not honest about. Talk to him. Say to him when you're driving, when you're commuting, uh, don't, don't, don't try to act like nothing's wrong. Tell him what's wrong. Give him your burdens. You were never meant to carry them. Because if you do humble yourself, verse 10, he will lift you up. That's hyposo. It's the word for being elevated beyond your circumstances, to be promoted divinely, to be filled up to overflowing. We can either try to promote ourselves and lift ourselves up, or we can trust God that God will lift us up in the right time. It's really difficult to fix ourselves and to follow Jesus at the same time, so we have to focus on him. And when we focus on Jesus, everything else comes into focus. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. We must be broken about our self-promotion. By the way, we all promote ourselves. We must be broken about our self-promotion. And we must accept that only Jesus, through his grace, can elevate you're feeling down, he can elevate. He can lift you up. Energize, you feeling tired? You feeling tired of everything that's going on? Me too. But only he can energize and can resurrect. If you're feeling hopeless, by the way, on the radio and online, you're feeling hopeless? Only Jesus can resurrect your hope. Only Jesus can give you the hope that you're seeking for. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.